What's going on, everybody? This is obviously not Austin or Colin. Hi, my name is. My name is. My name is. Matty B. Hi, my name is. My name is. My name is. Matty B. Hi, my name is. Excuse me. My name is. Matty B. And that entrance right there probably is going to have me never invited back to Campus Life, but I wanted to have some fun with it. It's possibly my last ever show on Campus Life, maybe even last show with the company. I'm not sure they're ever going to let me back on a mic after that. Uh, but it is Matt. I am back with, I believe this is the 142nd episode of Campus Life. Austin, who was just out for like two months, is back out gallivanting over in Europe. And Colin, who was also just off on a honeymoon, is now on vacation yet once again. They could not find the time to bring you guys an episode of Campus Life, so I stepped in. We didn't want to miss an episode, uh, so it's, it's going to be a little bit of a fun one if you guys are in our Discord. We did a mock draft with some of our NIL members, did have a couple of the other members of the site participate, both Austin and Colin were in this Felix, and then two of the Debbie guys at the website in Mike Valerie and Corey Pereira, who is our Debbie team lead, participated in this mock as well. Those two and one Felix Sharp will join me here, and we're going to talk a little bit about the draft. I interviewed them at different times uh, throughout the draft to kind of get their opinions on how things were going. Felix, uh, you know, was a very busy July 4th. He's very patriotic, despite what he may tell you otherwise. He, he loves the U.S. of A., loves his country. Uh, he was out supporting Joey Chestnut in his hot dog eating endeavors, so Felix is actually going to join me over the phone uh, to talk a little bit about what his thoughts were on this draft. Uh, we're going to do those interviews, and at the end of the show, I'm going to give you guys some predictions I have for the 2023 season, since again, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be invited back after my my little intro there. But again, I wanted to have some fun with it. So we're going to start with one, Felix H. Sharp. As I just mentioned, we are now being joined by another guest here. One of, uh, I, I would say, one of, one of my good friends. Uh, we, while we do have a, a pretty uh, nasty rivalry, we I do consider him a friend. Uh, but he was just too busy to take even just five minutes to sit down in a room with me and talk about this mock draft. It is one Felix Sharp. Felix, how are you doing, buddy? Thank me. <laughs> Thank me. Thank me for being here, Matthew. Matthew, it's really uh, it's really your pleasure for having me here. I Thank me for being here, Matthew. It, it really is, and I'm, I'm glad that you could jump on with me for a couple minutes to talk about this mock draft. Thank you for jumping in it. Uh, it's been a very interesting one, to say the least. Uh, so we've already talked with Mike and Corey about this, and I wanted to know if you had a specific strategy coming into this mock that you wanted to try. I mean, my strategy was to get through it. Listen, for a mock draft, it, it's tough to be focused, but this is a startup here. And, you know, for freshman drafts, I've, in one of my biggest leagues, one of the leagues I care most about, I've got a it, it, the the draft hasn't started yet. I've got 170 players in my queue for a startup like this. There's no reason that you shouldn't have 300, 350 players for a 45 round startup draft. So you know my strategy if I'm going into an actual draft, a startup draft, C2C draft, is you got to get that queue ready. It's going to be a mix of Debbie guys. A mix of late Debbie guys that you think that you can get, you know, 
maybe in round 20 to 25 or so. And then, and then you got to know the CFF landscape. So, um, my strategy approaching, approaching a, a, uh, uh, a startup would be to just, you, you got to have that cue ready to go. You got to know how to value freshmen, guys like, you know, Bryce Young, DJ Uyunglele, I remember my first draft. They're going really, really early. You can expect the same thing for guys like DJ Moore, uh, Arch Manning, Malachi Nelson. Those guys are second-round draft picks, so yeah, be ready to snatch those guys up quickly. Um, freshmen, just like rookies in Dynasty, are going to be valued highly, and uh, you just got to. But you got to be prepared. You got to be prepared with with a cue. This is not like Dynasty. You, you got to. You got to have a cue and have those players in order, so you know where the value is. Yeah, I want to stick with the freshmen for a minute because you just mentioned a couple of them, and obviously, you know, Dante Malachi going early in this round, as you mentioned in the second round. How do you value freshmen in the startups, and is there a certain cutoff where you're willing to take them? I mean, me and Mike talked. Obviously, you are also part of the recruiting team, and why you don't necessarily put grades in like the rest of us. You still watch a lot of their games. You do a lot of work on the guide, and you write up these prospects. Is there a certain point where you feel like you don't want to take them, and you'll pivot to CFF guys or or guys that are higher up in the Debbie rankings? Or is there certain freshmen that you just have to have going into your drafts? You know, it really depends on who it is, because for someone like um, who's our, our our third or fourth running back, you know, somebody like Ruben Owens, his yeah. value in a startup to me is not going to be the same as someone like Justice Haynes or Cedric Baxter or, you know, quite frankly, Roderick Robinson or at the quarterback position, Dante Moore uh, uh, or um, uh, uh, Malachi Nelson. Like there are guys that I just believe in. I think that they're an elite here and, and in an elite situation and their class or the fact that they haven't played a lot of football doesn't matter a ton to me now i know i mean look 2024 is different than other seasons there are so many guys that you could take in a startup that haven't done anything anyway i mean just imagine where are you taking kyle mccord in a startup draft he played just as much football as dante moore had so uh, yeah. um my so especially in 2024 or 2023, excuse me, where the 2023 class uh, NFL draft class took a lot of our established names, we are going to be relying and hoping and crossing our fingers for guys who are not established themselves, whether or not they're sophomores or juniors or whatever, or upperclassmen. So I think that there is a small group of players that are you know elite and freshmen, and I would value them just like anybody else in the class, you know, or, or anybody else in the player pool. I think that the, the two quarterbacks, probably Cook and Brant, that wide receiver, um, uh, uh, the three running backs, Haynes, Baxter, and Robinson. Robinson lesser so than the other. But, yeah, I'm not – after Drew Aller is off the board in the first round, can I pull the trigger on Dante Moore and Malachi Nelson? Absolutely. At the 112, absolutely. I mean – if I'm not, ta- you're not taking Michael Penix Jr. You're not taking like, you know, Qu- I, maybe you take Quinn Ewers. Do you feel great about taking Quinn Ewers in the first round? I mean, I guess it depends on who you ask. Haven't produced, so CTC got to got to be bold and go with your gut. Yeah, I mean, I you mentioned. 
No, you're good. You're good. Um, with the quarterbacks there, I mean, so Austin did take actually Drew Allard at the 110. Then Malachi Nelson followed him. Then Quinn Ewers went, but then Dante Moore. I mean, it was this draft was was an interesting one, as as Mike and Mike and me talked about a little bit. Is very freshman heavy, very CFF heavy, which I don't think you typically see from these startups uh, for for especially for a C2C. Usually you see a little bit more of these Debbie guys going, but I, I don't disagree with you. I think you have to value at least some of the freshmen fairly highly. And however you want to, you know, choose that line of delineation is up to you. Felix, I, I want to say that we started playing C2Cs right around the same time. I know, Austin and me were in a league uh, that Shaq started right around the time that we started up this podcast or we started up Debbie debate uh, back in COVID. That was when I first heard of C2C leagues. Obviously we were in the GM league for a couple years together. What, what's been the biggest takeaway or the most important lesson you've learned from your first C2C league to now that you could kind of share with others to help them out? I think one is the one I already described is having that cue ready because especially in supplemental drafts because there are so many players that are av- available from league to league that aren't available in another league. You know, the, the, the second-year players and the third-year players, somebody like Squirrel White or somebody like Devontae Walker, they may be a, a, available in one league and are, are not another. So just having a list of those guys. But the other, quite frankly, is just getting my eyes on as many guys as I can and then also relying on, like, uh, Matthew, when you and I started playing C2C, there wasn't no campuscan.com where you could go look up, you know, yeah. Zachariah yeah. Branch and see what his athletic comparables were uh, and what his, his speed rating was and all of that stuff. You can now do that. So when I'm in the 20th round and I'm looking at picking between, you know, uh, uh, or, uh, um, Monterey Baldwin and Caleb Hicks, I can make a more informed decision than you could in 2020, in 2020 when we started playing uh, C2C. So I think my, my biggest takeaway has one been getting eyes on players myself. And I love doing the guys because that I, I kind of jump around between popular players and players that I've never heard of. And so I get to see guys like, you know, Cal Swanson and Khalifa Keith to be in this rookie in this freshman class look like two really good football players. And I would not have known about them uh, had I not, you know, watched their tape for the guys. So getting my eyes on them and that, that doesn't mean that I'm drafting them. But it does mean that I'm looking at um, spring practice reports to see, hey, is there any mention of, of Khalifa Keith or Cal Swanson? Or I know how athletic Cordell Russell is at TCU, but he's dealing with an injury. Is he back from that injury? Like just in, in knowing what his athletic comps are. So I think I, I'm, I'm all over the place here, but I think one of the things is is having a cue. If you're in a supplemental draft, it should be at least 100, at least 100 players in for 15 rounds, probably, again, I got 175 in one. And if it's a startup draft, I'm sorry, but it's about 300 plus that you need to have in that queue and ready to go. Um, so you're not kind of scrambling when you're on the clock. And then the other thing is, is just having the access to the tools, access to, um, you know, the, the charting tools, the player comparison tools, where we, we can see, hey, is Lad McConkey above that magic line? Everyone says he's a stud playing for Georgia. Well, what do the metrics say? What are his athletic uh, comparisons? So I can really, I can put a finer point on how valuable this player is or is not. 
All right, Felix, a couple more questions and we'll get you out of here. I wanted, I had to ask you about Devin Brown and Carson Beck because Mike and I That's have right. talked about him. You, uh, he, That's right. you, you sniped him on both of them. He wanted both of those players and you took That's him right. on the, on the way back around. So you took Devin Brown in the six, two rounds after Kyle McCord went, and then you got Carson Beck in the eighth is Devin Brown, are you taking him in the six as like a bet that he'll somewhat see this field this year or just betting 100% on he's Ohio State's quarterback next year or a starter somewhere in the league that you project to have some just, NFL just, upside? Devin Brown continues to be one of the better quarterbacks that you know I've looked at. The difficulty on his throws was just substantial in high school. Um, and, then there, and then he made some of those impressive throws in the one spring game where we got to see him play. Saw the same thing with Drew Aller, saw, saw the same thing with Dante Moore. Just like the level of difficulty on their throws was uh, on another level. So I think that he's just an excellent player. And if he doesn't, even if he doesn't start at Ohio State this year, which I don't think that that's out of the question that he does, that he doesn't, excuse me, he could. We Quite frankly, we don't know if he will or will not. We've seen upsets before. Remember uh, Austin, uh, Austin Reed and, and Jared Dagey. We've yeah. seen these things, these things happen like this. So, it just made sense given what I think his skill set is and in that offense. And I don't think that his value is really going to take a hit because either he starts at Ohio State or he goes to, you know, another big-time school, maybe a place like Alabama, and starts. Um, so, And then with Carson Beck, I, I don't understand. I've moved Carson Beck up to the top ten of my rankings after watching him against Vanderbilt, against Washington, watching him. Uh, in the uh, championship game and watching him in the spring game, the, the, he, I, I would call him, he's very similar in my opinion to Carson Strong. Now, I know that that sounds like, well, Carson Strong wasn't drafted and then was cut by the Eagles. But a lot of that was injury related. But what I mean is, is that I like quarterbacks who just complete passes, who when the layup is there, they make the layup, they make open threes. And that's what Carson Strong d- does. He has, excuse me, that is what Carson Beck does. Carson Beck, Carson Strong. Oh, look, there, there, there's a little <laughs> – But anyway, he's going to be the quarterback on the best team in the country or one of the three best in the country. I've moved into the top ten of my quarterback rankings. I don't see why you guys uh, don't have him there because you're going to be relying on players who haven't played uh, as much in 2023 in or in 2022 last season. You know, and, and I've seen a lot from Carson – uh, Carson Carson Beck. So I'm just not really afraid to pull the trigger. Again, I'll go back to the landscape of college football. There are not a lot of established guys. Carson Beck is the quarterback for the best team in the country. So, I mean, that he's going to be in plus game scripts. He's going to have, you know, open guys. They've got good uh, athletes in the passing game and in the running game. They brought the, I forgot, the wide receiver from uh, Mississippi State who's going to stretch the field. So can Arian Smith, by the way. they got two yeah, field yeah. stretchers. they got two slot guys in McConkey and uh, – Dominic Lovett, like he, and then the, I forgot. Oh, I didn't even say Brock Bowers, who I also drafted on this team. So I, not only do I have Carson Beck and Brock Bowers, if I want to start Carson Beck, I've got the stack there. Uh, uh, so yeah, it just he he's yeah he's a pocket passer. He's not flashy. He's not sexy. But I think we get too enamored with quarterbacks who can run the ball, and we can't figure out if they can actually make plays and make throws. The other thing I like about Carson Beck is he's a downfield passer. He's a downfield passer. And that's always something I look for. 
Well, I mean, you're preaching to the choir on the rushing quarterback part. I've, I've made that argument for others, and I seem to always get shot down. The one thing I will say on Carson Beck is uh, he's definitely a, a shoot-your-shot guy like you are. I don't know if you've seen the recent Twitter post about his uh, Snapchats, but uh, dude, dude, dude's out here. He's shooting his shot, so I will give him that. Last one, Felix, before, uh, before I get you out of here. I know that you are busy trying to remember now this is this is horrible hosting on my part i had it up and i lost it this kind yeah, that's of why, that's why we don't let you drive Matthew. i know i know that's fair uh this is kind of like you you kind of probably already answered this i didn't mean for it to be answered this way but what is the best piece of advice you can give to a newcomer we've had a ton of people sign up for the site recently a lot of people in our discord talking about how their first time players want to try out the format Besides the cue, because I know you've really hammered that home, and I definitely agree with you is a big thing for, for, for Austin giving out those cues recently. But what's the best piece of advice you can give to a newcomer trying the format for the first time listening to this episode? I think my best advice would be specific to wide receivers. And I had this hint when Zay Flowers kind of popped, but just a little bit his freshman year. Take stock in that. These guys who perform well as freshmen, Zay Flowers is one, Sky Moore is one, Lad McConkey is one, Monterey Baldwin is one. Like these kind of small guys, and you see them, like they get, oh, Keegan Johnson, excuse me, Keegan Johnson is one. Like these guys who, in comparison to their teammates, they're performing really well as freshmen. The kid at Boston College, um, I forgot his name, not Jalen Gill, because he transferred to Fresno State. Who's the... I can't think of his name off the top. There's a freshman who played really well uh, last year at Boston College. Speaking of Zay Jones, Zay Flowers, excuse me. So that is something I'm taking stock of is, you know, these freshmen at smaller schools who put up three to 400 yards in their first season, you end up getting surprised at the draft capital they get later on. So that's why, you know, crossing my fingers, I still kind of have hope for somebody like Mario Williams because he played relatively well his freshman season. And then last year, I mean, I don't know what – was he suspended? Was he hurt? He wasn't playing. Um, so I, I, I take stock in that. All right, Felix. Well, we've heard from you. We've heard from Corey. We heard from Mike. Hopefully this guy, this gives you guys a lot of help with your drafts coming up. Some advice from people who have been doing it for a little bit of time. We appreciate you taking a couple of minutes out of your day. Enjoy. You're July 4th, and we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, Matthew, Matthew. Um, yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, uh, thank me for being here. It's uh, Again, it was it was your pleasure for having me. It really was. Thank thank you. You were you were the one person I wanted. I, don't, I didn't care about Corey. I didn't care about Mike. I had to get Felix on this show. Peace. All joking aside, it's all obviously always great to have Felix on the show. Um, really appreciate him taking a couple of minutes out of his day to talk about that mock draft. Again, just trying to give, uh, for those of you who have just joined or looking to join C2C Leagues or try it out for the first time, we really kind of wanted to touch home or, or, you know, bring home kind of what we've learned over the past couple of years. Me and Felix both started out kind of at the same time in C2C Leagues, right around the time we started Debbie Debate. Uh, so it, it's been interesting watching the growth. I'll give you guys kind of my opinion opinions as well. I did mention a couple of them, obviously, with Felix, Mike, and, and Corey. Uh, before we get to Corey, though, you guys have to check out Home Field Apparel. We have a co- promo code with them, Campus, the number two, Canton, all one word. You guys, these t-shirts are amazing. Not only are they extremely comfortable, 
their their vintage kind of collection gear the the logos they have new ones old ones i got an old school bevo texas just because of my love for queen ewers and i really don't like texas they have some really cool Ohio state ones i got a really awesome arizona state forks up shirt it's amazing if you like any of these schools you've got to check them out great 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 that's a lot of greats logos apparel the sweatshirts are extremely comfortable the sweatpants are extremely comfortable and you get 10 percent off and look if you want to do it more than once just create another email and use the code again that's what i've done i've already gotten myself about seven shirts my wife's not happy but i've got a new oregon state one coming in that i cannot wait to wear on debbie debate they're they're incredibly they're incredible guys that's just it they are incredible get them for yourself get them for your dad your brother anybody who loves college football i promise you you will not be disappointed and on top of that Guys, if you want to know more about the CFF side of things, which we've talked a little bit about with Felix, you're going to hear more about here in a second with Corey and Mike, get the CFF guide. It just dropped on the website, $20. If you are an NIL member, check your inbox. It should already be there. And if you are a scholarship member, you do get one free guide. So if you did not use it on the Debbie guide or the freshman supplemental guide and you wanted to use it on the CFF guide, Reach out to us, DMs on Twitter, send us an email at campus2canton at gmail.com. We'll get you set up and squared away, or I should say Colin will because he's the one who handles all that. We love you, Colin. Thank you. Bless you. We'll get all that set up, but I'm telling you, it's I love the Freshman Supplemental Guide uh, just because it's the one, one, in a, one of a kind. It's the only one out there. I love working on it. It's so much fun to learn about these freshmen and kind of figure out who is going to be right on hitting on those guys. It's a lot of fun talking about them behind the scenes. And I do love the Debbie guide as well. We put a ton of work into that, and it's a lot of fun projecting those guys. Mike and Corey have done a little bit of looking back on what we've done on the Debbie guide, on back to Debbie, and and how good of our how good our hit rate kind of was last year. We did definitely had some misses, uh, but our hit rate was pretty good. But the CFF guy, there's just so much information in there. I love the 50 freshmen that Nate Marquise does. You've got coaching systems, all these players. They went above and beyond this year, too. They ranked. They have the rankings of the players in there and even little player profiles and player blurbs. It's incredible. It's honestly one of my favorite things to go back and look at all the time as I'm getting ready for my C2C draft. So you guys need to go get it. The fact that we're only charging $20 to me is criminal. There's so much information in there i can't imagine how long it took the cff team to put that together shout out to all of those guys ethan chris k jared chris moxley nate marquise brandon sanders i swear i'm forgetting something and i feel bad about that um so i am sorry uh but they just our see our entire cff team killed this guide go check it out at campus just 20 dollars for you now let's bring on Corey Pereira, our Debbie lead. All right. So as I mentioned, we were going to have a bunch of guests on this show. And we have already talked to one Felix A. Sharp the second with his horrible car audio, but he just had to be on the show. <laughs> We've also talked to, he says the better half of the of the back to Debbie show. I don't know. I think I've got the better half on now with our I think Debbie so. lead, I think so. Corey. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Mike did some weird stuff. And then he didn't have some, you know what? I actually, I'll save it. He had some things to say about your team and your draft, and I'm going to have you listen to it. I'm not going to tell you what he said. Oh, he may okay. have been flattering. Yes. He may he may have <laughs> distant. I'm not going to say. Before he's with me again, he's our Debbie lead. Absolutely crushes uh, the Debbie guide. You do great stuff with Brandon over at the Debbie dashboard as well. I love 
watching YouTube breakdown film. I think you're two of the better in the business. I, we, I remember the day that you announced you were looking for somewhere to write, and I can't even begin to explain to you how quick the messages were going off in the founders chat when, when you announced <laughs> yourself as a free agent as how bad we wanted you to join our team, but you're here with us. Uh, couldn't, couldn't be happier. You were part of this mock draft before we jump into that. I, just to go with Felix's favorite line. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right, man. It's, you know, July 4th weekend that we're getting together here. You guys are celebrating that over there. We're doing Canada day over here. It's been crazy, crazy hot. Um, unbearable to even be outside right now. So staying as close to water as I possibly can, but man, I'm, I'm nose deep right now in like five, six drafts right now. So it's, this one just kind of flew off. I just flew off the cuff off the head off of this one. Just, uh, no, no real strategy coming in here, but uh, it was still a fun draft to do here. Yeah, that, that's actually the same as me. Me and Mike were talking about that a little bit. It was kind of funny. You know, I put this mock together knowing we were going to do it for a show, and then I didn't put a cue together. I just kind of went off the cuff yeah. with all of my picks, and I don't hate my draft, uh, but it's definitely not one of my favorites. But I, I want to start with some of the questions before we dive into the draft here. You, you mentioned you didn't come into this with a specific strategy, but is there a strategy that you like to take into C2C drafts? Uh, yeah, there, I mean, like, I'd say ultimately I I try to approach um, all the drafts pretty similar. I like to be balanced. Like, yeah, I'm a Devi guy, and I a lot of people expect that I'm going to go Devi heavy through like 15, 20 rounds or something like that. But I'm not. Like, like even here, like eighth round already. I know Malachi Corley maybe has some NFL future as like a depth guy, but I even took him already in the eighth round. Like, I like to maintain balance. Um, so I like to win. I like, <laughs> I like to be competitive on both sides. So I'll go for those guys a little bit earlier, especially if like one of my targets or something like kind of just went a little bit before me, then like I'll opt for instead of reaching for like a Debbie guy that I might like, like I'll just opt for my highest rated, like a uh, productive guy, you know? So I like to build a, a pretty balanced team. I will say in this draft coming in, I hate this, this end of the draft 12 spot. I really think, you know, especially if you're looking at the first round about 110, I think it really cuts off. Um, a, a, a tier for me. And then it kind of hops into a bunch of other guys. So like in, in a real draft, if I was at the 12 spot, like I was here, I might try to uh, maybe trade down and acquire some mm -hmm. more picks and acquire some more depth or something. But, you know, I just went with my highest rated guys here, um, which was uh, Braylon Allen and Luther Burden. But I might, you know, even if I can get it with one and, and trade down, I might rather do that than, than pick the two guys here. My real target, I would say, was uh, I was pretty pissed off that Austin had to go and take Drew Aller there because he's usually <laughs> been following to me there. But that yeah. was my target there right at the end. Would um, net, seeing the way that the board played out, would you change your top two picks in Braylon Allen or Luther Burden? Would you keep it those two? I'm okay with it. You know, uh, even coming around on the third and fourth, I was kind of hoping to now, you know, one of those top tier freshmen coming in for the, at the quarterback position, I ended up with Wegman, which I was okay with. And then Jackson Arnold, kind of the last guy of that tier, maybe wanted Yamalavia, uh, Yamalieva, I was hoping was going to fall down there, but uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, I think, um, there wasn't much I could do with the way that the board fell. Being at the end, you're kind of stuck just watching all your favorite guys go before you. And you're just kind of like picking at the end of your, end of your tiers most of the time or trying to get ahead of a tier or something like that, you know. And uh, I'm okay with the way it fell, at least throughout like the first the first four rounds there. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned how Nico went, Arch went. Like, this was a very heavy freshman draft. I mean, in the in the first three rounds, you had 10 freshmen go. That's yeah. not something I was expecting to see. I thought maybe, like, even a Brandon Ennis going at 311, then you get Carnell Tate going 4-2, Makai Lemon at 4-3, which adds 12 in the in the first uh, three picks of the fourth round, too. Like, it was a very heavy freshman draft and something Mike and I talked about. 
there's a lot of CFF guys that went in this too. It felt like everybody pivoted almost from some Debbie guys, and it was very heavy freshman and CFF. I mean, you talked about taking Malachi Corley, who, who you think has some some NFL upside, but a lot of people view him as more of like a CFF asset. I yeah. went pretty CFF heavy early in mine as well. I took Roman Hemby in the seventh round. You know, I, Malachi, well, Malachi Coleman's a freshman, but um, Alex Adams out of Akron I took in the 12th round. Like, there was some some really high-end CFF guys going as well. I did like when you grabbed Connor and Jackson Arnold. I knew I should have grabbed one of those in the third round, but I, I kind of waited since I got Caleb. I was picking up the one spot. I figured I could wait a little bit, and then obviously quarterback kind of flew off the, off the handle in this draft as well. Yeah, I think that too, even with like some of the freshmen, we ended up getting some some pretty tremendous value. I mean, I thought Troy Franklin at 5'1 for you was pretty damn good value. Yeah. You know, he, he he rarely makes it past the fourth, if anything. Um, we had, uh, who had, who got him? Um, Colin got Will Shipley at six in the sixth round, which is like just crazy. I took Catron Allen before, almost just assuming that Will Shipley was gone. I would have taken Will Shipley there if I had honestly known that he was there, but <laughs> that's that's what you don't get when you don't pay attention fully to the way things yeah, are falling. Yeah. But uh, this this goes into the freshman too, and I know we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I also think that with our team, with what you guys do, I know you're part of the recruiting team over there. I think that we can legit be a little bit more aggressive on them because of all the backstory you guys give us. You guys are watching so much, uh, like full seasons tape and, and telling us, you know, the ups and downs. He had an injury here. He had uh, a bad play here. He lost his wide receiver here. So we know like so much context that I feel like it gives us kind of like a leg up to be a little bit more aggressive on these freshmen. And that's honestly why I think us as a company are a little bit more aggressive as freshmen and why you see us as, as, as people in drafts, take them a little bit earlier. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the way I compare it, I've done it recently too, is it's like being in a dynasty startup. People will take rookies earlier than you expect because they want to bet on the upside. And it's a little bit of the new toy, right? Like you want yeah. the new toy, the, the, you don't know the unknown, what the mystery box could be, but I, I do agree. I love, I mean, like you, I, we talked, I talked a little bit about this with Mike because Mike, is kind of part of the recruiting team. Like, I'm not really sure how to, like, <laughs> he does a lot. Go ahead, go ahead. No, he just, yeah, I think he's, he's a piggyback member of the recruiting team. You know, I respect, he he dives pretty deep. I'll give it to him. He, a lot. he goes, he goes deeper than I didn't even I do into this class. There's a lot of time where I'm looking at a guy and he's like, oh yeah, watch this tape. I just, so he go he goes really deep. I just, I don't see him con conversing in that channel very much or really, <laughs> really doing much when you guys are doing, but I know he does a lot of work. He gets to it a little bit later in, uh, yeah. in the class before you guys do. So yeah, he, he does great work though. He, he's part of the team. We'll let him do that. He he is yeah I gave him <laughs> I, I gave him part of that honor when I talked with him because I mean, his grades are part of our consensus now so that makes yep. him part of the the team in my opinion I I think he does a lot of talking with Matt and that's why you don't ever see him in the recruiting channel he just DMs Matt all the time to like try and get these nuggets on players and doesn't want to share them with anybody uh, else but yeah yeah I mean Matt <laughs> Matt and David just they kill it man like I I, I was really talking do. with Mike and I'll just repeat it again like. If you could just see the amount of data that we get just from those two guys in general about all these players, like I, I wish we could share it with our members because the the amount of work that they put into it, it like it makes I feel like I work a lot and they put me to shame. Like I don't understand where Matt and David <laughs> find the time of the day to get all this stuff done. It's insane. No, yeah, it's a, it, it's incredible, and they've been huge additions to even the whole process of C two C and like knowing these freshmen a little bit better. It's just it's really elevating the game and elevating us as a company to what we can bring to people. 
Yeah, so my next question, Felix got to avoid this because he was quote-unquote driving, so he couldn't really look at the teams. But in your opinion, who in the start? So we, we kind of stopped it at the 14th round here, really kind of the 11th, 12th. Uh, some of the 12th round picks were, were auto picks because I had kind of told everybody we, we didn't have to worry about the draft anymore. But let's say through 12 rounds, who do you think had the best start and the worst start in this mock draft? Okay, so when I was looking at it, you know, I was kind of looking at, at the the – starts to a little bit earlier on i'll start with the bad first i'm gonna go a little bit of worst first and it's just a theory thing for me it's just a a strategy thing and that's juice balls who went extremely heavy a uh, freshman like right through yeah, all yeah. the way to the sixth round which like uh, it, they're top tier freshmen a lot of them it, it's, it's you're gonna get hits out of that group but you're still it's it's a mystery box i like to get some kind of something I can rely on at least in those top six rounds. And I kind of hate that he did that a little bit early, but I know some of those guys are going to be hits. We like a lot of those guys. So uh, it's an okay draft, but if I had to pick one, I didn't really like the, the way that strategy worked. And Matt, I got to give you a little bit of love for a little bit of the best here. Okay. I love the value you got on Troy Franklin. I thought you got two NFL running backs here in Branson Robinson and, and Jason McClellan. Um, uh, Malik Benson's a high upside guy. Aiden Childs is a guy I'm really high on. It was maybe a little bit early, but I, it was fine there. I know you're a big fan of him, uh, I am, but yeah. he, he's my QB stick in this class. So he's the first guy for me right after that top tier. I really like him. Malachi Coleman, a very high upside guy. I, I'm a Jackson dark guy too. I still believe that he's got a little bit of something. And even Alex Adams, man, that's one of those guys. Me and Mike are going to do a little bit of a G5 show coming up on our back to Debbie pod. He's going to be a guy I'm going to talk about a little bit, you know, was a former LSU guy hopped over to uh, back in the day when, you know, Jamar Chase and everything. Everybody was there. Didn't really get a chance to really break that, uh, break that lineup. Ended up having a transfer down to Akron. and was really the man amongst boys down there. Now he's really going to be the guy down there. Hopefully we saw him really come on at the end of the season. I think he's got just a, just a little bit of a, a Debbie upside. Maybe it's a day three type guy, but I like that pick there though. So I'm going with you for the, for the best one, I think. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it, it was, you know, it's funny because I really liked the draft as well. And again, and, and we, we talked about to, to start this off, like neither one of us did a whole lot of preparation for this. So yeah. it, really kind of annoys me how much I like this team when I per, like put together 200 player cues and then I hate the team that I draft. And then this one, I'm just kind of going off the cuff, looking at players available and, and doing it. Yeah. And again, I think a lot of it, I agree with you. Like I was extremely surprised Troy Franklin was there. I was even kind of surprised Malik Benson was there with, with yeah. the way the freshmen were going off the board and how highly we have him ranked. Um, again, it did help, you know, starting off at the one, one spot, which was not rigged. I saw the chat. I literally just, did random and it put me there i don't yeah, like you gave me the last spot come on man i know i i don't <laughs> like picking out of the one one spot because i feel like it's so easy to start off the draft you're going caleb williams so you're like you're already starting off with a great quarterback and you know i had to take childs there in the sixth round because like i mentioned i really had hoped wigman or arnold would fall to me and then you took both of them on that three four <laughs> yeah. turn so i was like okay i've got to do something I took Franklin there at the five, and I was like, oh, I'll just take you know Aiden Childs to get get that that quarterback that I really love. But yeah, it was a, it was definitely an interesting draft, and I, I did like it as well. I'll, I'll be honest now; I'm gonna tell you because I wanted to see if you were gonna shit on Mike because Mike did the same thing. Mike went uh Mike went negative first on his. He actually said that he thought your team was the best team, so he he showed oh. you a little bit of love. He did not. He did say. He did not love the way you went CFF heavy or CFF players a little earlier than he thought you should have, but he did yeah. really like your draft. Yeah. See, I was actually, so I was going to comment on Mike's a little bit. Again, I, we're kind of the same thing. We're ha kind of having the same thought process. I actually really liked the way he started through about five, six rounds. And then he went a little bit tier two, tier three freshman heavy for me. 
you know, with the Russell great house, Dell Jackson right there, where I maybe where where my strategy, I opt for maybe some CFF guys, some higher end CFF guys. And I don't say see just pure CFF guys. Like I think like the three guys I went here in my eighth round, ninth round, 10th round, I went Corley. I went Antoine Wells from South Carolina. And then I went Elijah Badger from Arizona state, all productive CFF guys, but all guys I think could be NFL players on Sunday as well. They're kind of on that edge, right? Which is kind of like what I tried to do if I can kind of aim for that area. But yeah, he did go a little bit of the, of the freshman heavy there, but I did really like the way he started. I was hoping for Trey Benson at the third. I was hoping for Jaquin and Jackson for in the fifth as well, when it finally got to me and he ended up stealing those guys and golden's another guy I'm really big on. So yeah, unfortunately I have to give him a little bit of credit there as well. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, I wonder how much Felix kind of, kind of screwed him over in that round there because he, he had mentioned that he really wanted Devin Brown and Carson Beck. And when Felix sniped him, he kind of panicked into making picks and that's in that range where he started taking a bunch of freshmen. So it, it would have been intriguing to see if he would have taken those because I really would have liked his quarterback room then because I don't know that he would have gone Howard and Sam Hartman later in the draft had he had gotten a, a Devin Brown and a Carson Beck. Yeah, and I, and I have to say, Felix, you're going to absolutely destroy Squirrel White's ADP when you keep taking him this high in every freaking draft, man. I'm trying to get some value on this guy, and you're absolutely destroying him taking him to the fifth round here. Let's bump that down to like at least the seventh round, man. You're, it's too high right now. Uh, Felix is all about causing chaos. I mean, Phil Lafa in the 10th round, like he just doesn't oh, care. Yeah. He's just he going just... for the guys that he wants and he doesn't care who he picks. I love them. it though, man. You, you have to have people who have, who really are, are by their own process like that. It makes oh, for yeah. interesting draft like this. It really does. It, it, it like, like Mike said, it kind of pisses you off too. So you're not expecting a yeah. Devin Brown to go in like the sixth round. And then he goes, and you're like, oh, that no, no, that was the quarterback I was taking two rounds later. And then he's like, oh, I'll just take Carson Beck in like the eighth. And then Felix takes him literally the pick right ahead of him. So yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting. It's what I love. I love drafting with Felix because I also he's very predictable with that though, too. Like you know his guys, <laughs> and he is more than will be. And don't don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to this is not a shot because. I mean, he's probably going to listen to this, so I hate that this is being put out into to the ether here, but man, he's been right so far on Michael Penix. He was right on the college side, in my opinion, of Zach Wilson. I know he got yeah. the draft capital. The dude sucks in the NFL. He's going to end up, it looks like, being 100% right on Anthony Richardson. Like, he's been right a lot. And so he's not afraid to, to when he's like, these are my guys like Carson Beck, Devin Brown, uh, Phil Maffa, who he's talked up a little bit this offseason. He does like yeah. Squirrel White. Justice Haynes, we took in the second round. He's like, those are my guys. I'm just going to take them. You know he's going to take them. You may feel like value falls to you, but again, you're you're missing out on those guys who may end up being hit. So, No, and that's really one of the things in C2C, man. At a certain point, just go get your guy. There's going to be somebody who likes him just as much as you that's going to be willing to pull the trigger earlier than ADP tells you to take him. So you really got to go get And I, I, I have to give some love to Felix, too. One of the hardest positions that we try to analyze is quarterbacks. And he's really had a good track record with quarterbacks. Uh, and, I mean, we all have our hits and misses. But regardless, right, right. we've seen some a lot of hits throughout the time with him, too. He he analyzes it really well. When you hear him talk about it, he really knows what he's talking about when it comes to these guys. So, yeah, I got I to gotta give some credit there, too. Yeah, it's really annoying. Too bad none of this is going to actually make the pod. This this yeah. last this last minute and a half just, is going just cut to it cut. Out, yeah. It's going to be cut. <laughs> We've, we we talked about how a lot of freshmen went into in this draft, especially early. How do you value the freshmen? And and how I've kind of put it to Felix and Mike. Um, and I and I know that again, you do a deep dive into these freshmen as well. Obviously, we've kind of changed our approach here at, at C2C over the past year. Before, it was just kind of like, hey, this is how we rank these guys. This is how we take them. Now, we're actually putting our own grading process onto this. It's so like mm -hmm. 80 and above, we consider it C2C five stars. 
Is there a cutoff point for you where you're like, these are the kind of guys that I will be willing to attack early in drafts if they fall? Or is it just kind of like, no, it's based on situation, depth chart. How much does that all that play into how you value freshmen and startups? Yeah, I think that is all a big a big part of it. Of course, a quarterback's a top tier, especially this year with those one of those five guys. I, you know, I really want one of those five guys. And then, you know, there's guys that we we have dug into and we see the backstory a little bit, like Lenore Sellers having the injury and and kind of being under recruited because of that. Like, would he have been a little bit higher if he played those two years um, and really got a little bit uh, got played uh, showing a little bit more? Um, or a guy like Aiden Childs who really didn't start till that final year after backing up uh, Malachi Nelson for so long. You know, and the, and seeing these context things, we can see. Kind kind of like some backstories and I might try to take some other shots on these guys, but really like I'm a top tier guy. And then, you know, they're I'm opting for more like known quantities instead of like those tier two tier three type guys more so more, more often than not, you know, and there's some situations where like a Caleb Jackson, for instance, who has the size, has the speed and has the, um, the chance there at LSU, I think in a pretty barren room, I mean, Logan Diggs is transferred in there that kind of, kind of throws wrench in it a little bit, but has an opportunity there to possibly be the guy, you know, as early as 2024. So I kind of like that. Even USC, a guy like Quentin Joyner, I know that oh, some of us are a little bit lower on, but I'm a little bit higher on because I see some opportunity there. A lot of older bodies there. A lot of guys that aren't making a lot of noise could be gone by next year, but he could be the guy by 2024 and he's already showing some stuff. So, so, so a lot of that stuff plays into it for me, you know what I'm seeing and the depth charts and stuff like that. So that's when I'll start taking shots on some some of those lower guys, but outside the top tier, like I do start opting like, you know, after, after round four in this draft, I didn't take another freshman until Quentin Joyner, who I was just talking about in the 12th round. Right. So that, and that was after the fourth round. So again, I find myself opting for a lot more other guys other than those, those tier three, two, those uh, tier two, tier three guys. Yeah, I, I'm actually closer to you than I am. Mike and Felix seem to be more on the train of like just attack them, which I get. You know, I, like so for people who are new to this, and that's why I wanted to do this episode. We've had a lot of new people say, "Hey, I want to try this format, trying to understand it." So I've tried to equate it to things they might understand in, in like dynasty football. And what you'll see is a lot of people will attack rookies because this the, the quote unquote the cheapest you'll get them. It's something Austin and Chris have talked a lot about across this network as well with the freshmen. This is the cheapest you're probably going to get a Malachi Nelson or an Arch Manning because their value yeah. some holds to a certain part, even if they don't play. But where I'm with you is we talk about this all the time. I mean, we there might only be two of these five guys that hit, though. How do you know that you're getting the right two? So mm. I kind of pivoted away from that as well. Like, I'll take those top guys. None of those guys fell, though, on this draft. I mean, we're talking about all of those top guys, our top rated wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs all went early in this draft. So I waited, and I took a guy. Now, Aiden Childs just barely missed my tier one in my grading. I waited to the sixth round to take him. And again, I only took him there because you had taken Jackson Arnold in the fourth, and I'm watching Aiden Childs go in like the, the early fifth, late fifth round. It's like, okay, he fell to me. I'm just taking him in the sixth. I don't want to risk him not making it back to me. Yeah. Outside of him, I only took one other one, and it was just Malachi. I took Malachi Coleman in the tenth round. Again, yeah, same kind of strategy there, waiting exactly. until like a little bit later on, yeah. Yeah, because he's a guy that I see immense upside. I like what they're doing with that offense. You go and look at what Matt Rule has been able to do with his wide receivers in that offense, going back to Temple and Baylor. Like, I think Malachi Coleman has a shot to really break out. And again, 10th round. Like, he realistically, with what I had built already in my wide receiver room, would take in, as you mentioned, Malik Benson, and Troy Franklin – Adonai Mitchell, who could be a boom-bust guy, but then Jacob Cowan. Like, I have three starting wide receivers right off the bat. 
And then I also got an Alex Adams. So I'm like, I can take a shot on a freshman Malachi Coleman who may not do much this year and be a be future part of my team. So I kind of lean with you. Like if those top guys are gone, I'm really wanting to take these assets that are proven because we've also seen at least over the past couple of years, like some of these freshman values will dip some and you might be able to move that proven asset for the freshman a year later if you don't want that proven asset anymore, like I may not want a Jace McClellan anymore. I could possibly move him for a justice Haynes. If he doesn't do anything, if I really want justice Haynes, like I, I just think it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with either way, but I've kind of pivoted more toward your way of thinking than taking these freshmen super early and then hoping. Cause like, I agree with you on um, what was it? Uh, like there's nothing wrong with juice balls team. Cause if a bunch of those guys hit, he's going to have a great team in two years. But like right now you're not get you're likely not getting anything out of Malachi Nelson, Brandon in his Carnell Tate, Lenora sellers. You know, you may not see those guys on the field this year. Like you're probably getting some out of Cedric Baxter, but then, like, the rest of your team, like, you've built nothing. Like, Frank Harris, Austin Reed, okay, you're starting to build out at least someone who can be competitive. And I have no doubt he probably builds out a competitive roster. We only right. went 12 pounds here. So, it's not like he did a horrible thing. But you're probably not going to compete much this year when all of your top picks are going to be freshmen. So, it's an int- it's an intriguing strategy. I've personally never tried it. I really kind of wish we could have played this league out because I'd be really curious to see how good that team could be, even maybe as early as 2024 if we see Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis are the starting wide receivers for Ohio State and all of a sudden Malachi Nelson's in there starting. Maybe Lenora Sellers wins the job and all of a sudden he's the starting quarterback of South Carolina and you already have Cedric Baxter. Like, would be a really intriguing team to watch. Yeah, like, again, he took the top-tier guys, right? Like, we're sure almost positive Nelson's going to be the next guy for for Lincoln Riley, who has an ultimately awesome track record with these quarterbacks. Just Cedric Baxter could be a, just the guy at Texas, just like we just saw B. John Robinson be. Brandon Innocent, Carnell Tate going to the wide receiver factory. Like, he's got a lot of potential here for hits. But, again, it just, it just like, I like some some assurity in those top couple of rounds. You know, at least some guy that yeah, I can yeah. feel really good about. You know, taking a couple shots here and there, okay. But, you know, the full seven rounds is somewhere I kind of shy away from. And for us, going into the double-digit rounds, when we finally start taking more, like, even if we do miss on those, it's like, it's not as bad of a miss you know what i mean like if i miss yeah. on my tel- my 12th round pick that's not going to kill me you know so i can i can recover from that pretty easily yeah yeah like i said with malachi coleman if i miss on him that's all right because i already have a wide receiver room ahead of him and i'm not so worried about it because i can grab some other guys later in the draft so it, yeah. it's 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 definitely whichever way you want to go i don't think like i said i don't think there's a wrong way because we've seen like Juice balls may end up having the best team next year. He could yeah going all freshmen. <laughs> so like there's no real wrong way about it. it's just kind of how you want to attack the draft how how long have you been doing C2C drafts, Corey? So see, my first C2C was back in my first podcast days, which was like, I'm going to have to say, well, I have one year that's going, one league that's going on its fifth year now. Okay. So I think, so I think five years in total, which I just won back to back, by the way, just built a night. Nice. So I'm pretty happy about that. Um, but yeah, so about five years now I've been playing C2C leagues. All right, so you've been playing even longer than, than me and Felix have. We and definitely Mike. Mike's, I think this he said this is his second off season doing it. Yeah, and or this is Felix, his first supplemental season, I think, for him. Yeah, yeah. 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 Me and Felix both started uh right before COVID. So almost three years or just over three years ago. So it's a it's definitely grown. I think we can both admit that. The format yeah. has there's a lot more information available. It's a lot different. I mean, I, I remember going in to my first drafts going all based on like, I'm looking at like Mike's going to kill me when he listens. I'm looking, I'm even going as deep as a looking at like sites like Walter football to oh, kind of yeah. just like, 
yep. fucking get names <laughs> and trying to figure out what I'm doing and like just I'm not even paying attention to what CFF even means to now that that's such a massive part of the conversation. What's kind of like the most important lesson you've learned from that first year doing it till now? You honestly just hit it right on the head there, which was like, even as a Devi guy coming into CQC, my whole focus was Devi, right? The minute I started getting to those double digit rounds, it was like, I'm looking at 247 and just looking at like the next highest rated guy and seeing like, which guy I like. Okay, this guy has measurables I like. This guy has speed I like. He's going to an okay place. He's going to whatever. I just, I'm not even paying attention to coaching schemes. I'm not paying attention to the, the where he's going. I'm not paying attention to a lot of this stuff that I think really refined my strategy where I come into CQC. And that's just, the pure balances and really paying attention to that CFF side. I mean, cause really early on, I was building some pretty uncompetitive squads. It was all Debbie guys. And then I'm burning all my waiver picks, trying to pick up guys to fill those spots. And then I'm missing out on guys like Braylon Allen. I missed out on because I'm too busy trying to fill my quarterback spot, or I'm too busy trying to fill my, my wide receiver spot. Cause I went tight or I went Debbie heavy and those guys aren't even playing. They're sitting on the bench. So it's like, that balance is really the biggest lesson that I've learned and paying attention more to the college side, paying attention to those G five schools, paying attention to, you know, spring reports, paying attention to, co to coaching schemes, you know, the wide receiver one in this offense, the, the quarterback of this, this offensive coordinator, all those things play such a big part in what we do here and achieving that perfect balance to me is really the key to, to winning a, C a CFF or a C2C league. There is w different ways to do it, but I mean, I, if you're not getting Debbie guys to transfer to your NFL roster, then your NFL roster is going to be crap. But if you're not productive on the C the college side, then you're not going to win the college side. So it is achieving that perfect balance, which is the hardest thing to say, yeah. or I mean, the easiest thing this, to say and the hardest thing to do, right? So I mean, but yeah. that's really like, that's really what I've learned uh, doing this instead of just being so Debbie heavy from early on. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Now, I don't even think you have to say, you know, like if you're a little bit more Devi heavy than CFF heavy or vice versa is a bad thing because obviously you can make trades. You mentioned Braylon Allen on the waiver wire. There was someone else on the waiver wire that I can't remember for the life of me over the past couple of years that ended up being a good NFL player there's going to be those guys that pop up and come up out of nowhere. Zach Wilson was one. I'm, despite what you think of Will Levis, he ended up getting decent draft capital. Desmond Ritter, Alec Pierce, all guys that, that might have yeah. been on your waiver wires. It's just trying to find and, and be as balanced as possible because I, I you're going to have teams in every league that do it, that only care about the Debbie side or maybe even only care about the CFF guide and kind of knock out their NFL future or knock out their college future. For me, I'm 100% with you. It's trying to find as best a balance as you can because for me, what I've come to love about C2C leagues, at least in my opinion, is I found it's, it's – I don't want to say easier – but I find that it's it's more fun to win on the college side because of how mm -hmm. I, I would say easily you can rebuild because of just how many players are 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 so important on the college side. We're on the NFL side, you know who those guys are, and once they go up to those teams, unless you trade for them, it, it's really hard to get them. Very rarely are you finding those guys, like I said, on the NFL waiver wire. It's I think again I, I've been doing it for this is going into my fourth supplemental season. I think. Most NFL drafts that I've done, you're going by the time you get to pick one six, you're done. Like yeah. now you're just grabbing guys who may have ended up on a roster and you're hoping for the best. Like on the college side, though, we're talking about we we I'm doing a supplemental draft right now, our Debbie Debate Listener League. And I'm in the 10th round still grabbing players that I really like. Like there's so and there's just so much depth on that college side. It it, it is trying to build that perfect balance. Yeah, and I even have to give a shout out to our C2C versus NIL league because I think they're doing something that is very like, it makes that NFL side draft a little bit more creative, which is, you know, the the, the two copy 
or I mean yeah. the uh, single copy on the college side, but then it goes to double copy. So, I mean, all those guys were taken on the college side, but then this year on our side of the draft on the C2C side, we had guys like Anthony Richardson available. We had like CJ Stroud available. We had a bunch of guys. That's a really interesting way to do it. So maybe even building, you know, uh, if you guys, if you guys are looking for a more interesting way to do it, that's a 24 team uh, double copy on the NFL side, but single copy on the college side. So when you transfer over one side is getting a lot, you're getting another set of players added to the, to the player pool, which is a really interesting way to do it. Yeah, I, I love that format as well. It makes winning on the college side so much harder. And maybe it's because we have the IDP element in there as well, which I know nothing about on the college side. Like, I will fully admit that. I am I am playing loose and fast with the IDP players on the college side, just trying to figure that out. Uh, it's it's definitely a fun format, though. I, I, yeah. I do like that because, like you said, I mean, I think I got – I was even still drafting guys in the second round of that yeah. NIL, C2C NIL league on the NFL side. So it definitely makes that side – more fruitful if you want to try it. I would not suggest a newcomer doing no, that right yeah, off the yeah, bat. No. <laughs> jump into a regular C2C league first and then go to that side of things. And I would definitely say hold off on IDP. Although if you follow Justice and look at any of his stuff on the on the website, he'll help you win. I probably should do that more often. I don't, unfortunately. And that's probably what screws me on that side of things. All right, last question for you, Corey. We just I just mentioned a newcomer. What is the best piece of advice you would give to a newcomer hmm. trying out the format this year? I think that, you know, if I were to give at least a simple piece of advice to somebody playing thing is just to pay attention to how your league does waivers. I think it can, it can really form how you draft. Like for instance, if you have waivers every week and you're going to be able to take holes and maybe in your draft, you're going to take some more upside freshmen and, and kind of ignore that CFF upside because those guys will kind of pop themselves up and you'll be able to find them more on the waiver wire. Whereas freshmen, you know, they'll go pretty quickly. You might take some more shots on there. Or if you don't have a lot of waiver pickups or none at all, or maybe you have the two week thing, the week four, the week eight thing where you better make sure that you build up a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, me and you have talked about it before how we've we, uh, week freaking uh, 12 and we have or uh, week nine and we have like one quarterback to play oh, in a yeah. quarterback leagues when we have yeah. eight quarterbacks on our roster. Like, you know, it just happens. There's there's injuries. There's there's other things that go on. There's suspensions. There's everything that happens in, in college by weeks like crazy. And you've got no guys to play. So you got to really make sure you build that depth if you if you don't have a lot of waivers as well. So really paying attention to how the waivers work in your league will, should really affect the way you draft and your strategy and how you approach how you kind of build your roster. Yeah, I, I love that. It's it's definitely something to pay attention to. You know, you mentioned I mentioned this all the time when you join if you join a dynasty league, like know your league rules, rules, know yeah. your scoring. That's a massive thing. The big thing here is definitely waivers. It's been kind of a hot button topic for for us here at the at the website for the past couple of weeks, mainly because Felix is just trying to again cause chaos and and, and loves to start trouble. <laughs> but it, it's definitely something that you should pay attention to because, as you mentioned, if it's weekly waivers, I mean, you can take shots, yeah, on guys, and then after a couple of weeks, just drop them and grab guys that are being productive and and so on and so forth. And if you don't you may play a little conservatively. Again, you just mentioned that thing with the quarterbacks. I mean, I was in a, a GM league where – did you join that one this year? Is I am, yeah. I'm in that yeah. one this year, yeah. So I don't remember if we've even voted to change that, but we, so far the past two years of this league, there have been no waivers whatsoever, and I went into the championship game with literally all of my quarterbacks hurt. They all got hurt the week prior. I had to take Jeez. a – which – is my fault. I should have ended up playing. I can't remember who it was. Is Clay Millen. I came down to having to play Clay Millen or Malik Cunningham as my second quarterback. And at the time that I had to make that decision, because Clay, this was at the last game of the last week of the season. I think Clay Millen was playing on a Friday. Malik Cunningham was playing on Saturday. So I had to decide. 
It's one of those things where both of them were hurt as well, but it sounded like Clay Millen was likely going to play. Malik Cunningham was questionable. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go with the upside of Malik Cunningham. And I ended up playing and getting me like a whopping two points. And the only, <laughs> yeah. and, and I ended up beating Shane fairly comfortably, but it definitely helped because his quarterback went out and, and the first play of the game was like Quan Finn got negative four points. He had like a, a, a fumble that he lost and then got knocked out of the game, which definitely helped it helped me at least make the decision to go yeah. with Malik Cunningham. But it was, it was, it was, it was tough. Cause I mean, you know, money is subjective to everybody, but it was a $700 payout for us. And I was like, it sucks that I could possibly lose out on $700 because I can't pick up a quarterback. And there's all these guys available on the waiver and I can't even pick one up. And I had 10 quarterbacks on my roster and literally all of them got hurt. Like it's just, it is. And I get it's It's part of the good luck, bad luck of fantasy, but I waivers. Join a league yeah. with waivers. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I honestly love them a lot better. I like, you know, like our C two C versus NIL. They're oh, they're wide open. Like, and I'm constantly yeah. just just turning out my roster, picking up new guys. I, I like it a lot more that way too. So, yeah, definitely, definitely add some waivers to your leagues if you don't have them already. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I can't suggest it enough. It is it is a, a lifesaver. Well, Corey, thank you so much for for taking a couple minutes here. Let uh let everybody know what you're working on. What what's uh what's back to Debbie this week? What are we listening to? Is it are- is it Pac-12 Part Two? Right. Yeah, we know Pac-12 Part 2 was last week, so we are just doing oh, okay. our conference preview series. Uh, we are going through the Big Ten will be the next two weeks here, um, and then we'll hit the ACC, I still think we have to do, and then G5 guys we kind of like, so that'll be coming up over the next kind of month. Um, you guys obviously can find me at FF underscore guitarist on Twitter. I know it's, you know, seeing it's it's the end of days on Twitter right now, but hopefully it'll stay up long enough for us to, you know, uh, conversate. If you guys want to hit me up or anything, ask me any questions. I'm always willing to ask, hop in the, or, uh, answer questions, hop in the DMS. And, uh, yeah, right now I'm working like absolute crazy right now. It's the dog days for me. So the, the stuff I'm working on are a little bit more under the wraps right now. I will hopefully pick it up again in, in the next couple months, but yeah, I'm just kind of taking it cooler right now after that Debbie guide. Uh, Ohio state going to be on Wednesday's episode. Ohio State, uh, I'm not sure, actually. It. I'm going to have to ask Mike. I, you know what? I'll ah. be honest with you. Mike sends me the show sheet like 10 minutes before the show starts anyway, so then I'll, I'll oh, have so to take a look at it. So I don't so even he's know. A, he's a regular old Colin Decker. He is. He's here. a regular old Colin Decker in that, in that way, yeah. All right, well, I'm looking forward to it regardless. Big Ten should be a lot of fun. I love to hear your guys' breakdown of the Pac-12. Like I said, I know we, we were talking in our chat about how we agree on Michael Penix, which mm-hmm. apparently upset Felix a little bit on, on our thoughts on him. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really in- intrigued to hear what you guys have to say, obviously, about my Ohio State. But, guys, make sure to check that out. Is is arguably, is I'll, I'll say, same thing I said to Mike. It's, our, it, it's definitely one of, if not the best Debbie podcast around, but it's arguably the second best on this network. So I, you I know, I, I'll say the same thing I always say. I'm not, I wasn't even aware there was another one on our podcast feed to even consider. How dare you, sir? It's not a great way to end. So, thank you so much, Corey. We'll talk. Yeah, appreciate soon. it. Appreciate it, Matt. Take it easy. Again, massive thanks to Corey for jumping on with me. Uh, Canada Day celebrations, all this other stuff going on with him. Yeah, he was willing to take about 30 minutes out of his night to talk with me about the draft. He's just incredibly smart, man. I talked a little bit about it on on that uh, little interview with him. Go check out the YouTube stuff that that he does with Brandon Lejeune over at the Debbie Dashboard. 
they're just so great at breaking down film. It's so much fun to watch. I promise you'll learn stuff from them. Uh, he's just an incredibly smart mind. I, you know, not blowing any smoke when I talk about. We were extremely excited to get him as a part of our team. Uh, he, he's just a great, great football mind, even better person, which I think speaks a lot. If you know how great of a football mind he is. Last but not least, we got to get on. Mike Valerie, the other half of the Back to Devi show. Again, a, a show that is a lot of fun. Not only do they bring you guys a ton of incredible information, both extremely good at breaking down prospects with film. I know Mike leans heavily into the analytics as well, um, and they just have great chemistry. It's a great show. Love listening to it every Wednesday. Hate admitting that out loud, and I hate that they're going to hear that, uh, but it really truly is one of my favorite shows to listen to every single week. Let's bring on Mike. All right, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, I have maybe, arguably, the better half of of Back to Debbie's crew. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but it's arguably, I actually, I don't even think it's an argument anymore. It's clearly one of the best Debbie shows out there. I think if you look all time, it's clearly ranked behind uh, Debbie Debate, but it's still a great oh. show. Everybody loves it. That is one, Mike Valerie. Mike, thank you t- so much for taking a couple of minutes out of your day to to join us. I know. Uh, you wanted to be on live with with Felix, Corey, and myself, but uh, you were a little upset with uh, the way Felix has handled himself in this draft, Corey as well, sure. and so you just kind of protested, and I respect that about you. I really do. You you, you stood you stood your gun, said I can't be with these guys on the show. So we're gonna talk a little bit about your draft, and a lot like I talked with the other two. So I want to ask you a couple questions. Where we're doing this is kind of getting people an idea of where we've come from. We we all started out in this format as newbies. I think you've been in this a little bit less than some of us have, like Felix and myself. What what was the first time that you joined the C2C League? This is my first offseason. So, okay. so yeah, so you're, that, you're really mine. new into it. You're really yeah. new into it. And we're going to talk about one of your very first teams here in a, in a couple minutes <laughs> that I'm <laughs> excited to hear about. But we've been doing this mock draft with a lot of people in the NIL community. Did you come into this mock with a specific strategy? I usually prescribe to zero QB outside of getting like one of your top five, six guys. Um, but I didn't like the value that came back around to me, you know, so I missed out on the top five guys and I was just like, that's it. I'll just punt it. And I'll take the guys that I could think can maybe, you know, quote unquote, come out of nowhere and get some draft capital. But for the most part, I'm not expecting QBs. There's no Debbie QBs in my roster. Like, I don't really truly believe that. I think I got some nice long shots here out of one guy and one guy. But uh, for the most part, zero QB and uh, just like real dynasty, I think the running back uh, core here at on the college side dries up pretty fast. So I really wanted to grab running back early. Well, I want to actually stick with the QBs there that you just mentioned, because for me, I kind of think it's okay to pivot off QB and go with zero QB strategy like you did as soon as Caleb Williams and Drake may are gone. Like, I, I know we like a lot of these guys. We like Dante more. We like Malachi Nelson. We like Drew Alar. But we've seen that even just a little bit of success does not mean that you're going to succeed at the next level. We saw that again with Spencer Rattler and DJU, who I think have become kind of these poster boys is maybe you don't take QBs early. We don't think Drake May and Caleb Williams will fall on their face. But if those two go, are you uh, are you afraid to pivot off onto that the zero QB strategy? Even if a Drew Alar, Malachi Nelson, Quinn Ewers, Dante Moore, who all went before the 2-4 pick in this draft, are you you're not worried about missing out on any of those guys? Uh, not really, not really, because th- like, this is why, uh, Devin Brown was our freshman QB one, uh, not, not even a year ago. Uh, and now he went in the sixth round. So I do like think how, like some people talk about values and certain players, whole values. And I uh, sure the high level freshman QBs don't exactly fall off, but they definitely fall a little bit. So 
if I want to get real aggressive, I think I could trade for one of the high-end freshmen that aren't going to touch the field this year. You know, AKA like Malachi Nelson, it's not going to touch the field this year. Neither is Arch Manning, um, who I did I did think about in the second round, uh, but I, I was hoping to see him in the third. But, you know, um, I let that go too. <laughs> because I just think, I, I think these guys will lose value because people like forget about it and they get uh, freshman fever, you know, or rookie fever. Sorry, excuse me. That's all dynasty stuff. They get the true freshman fever. So, yeah. I, I, I like that you mentioned that freshman QBs do lose some of their value because there are people here at this company who say that they don't lose any, and I don't agree with you. I also disagree with Devin Brown was not our QB1. He was some people's QB1. Oh, okay. I thought Drew it was a Alar was at most, well, I shouldn't say most of ours, was at least mine and Felix's QB1. Uh, speaking of which, Felix and myself were in this draft, as were you, your co-host, Corey, Austin, Colin, a bunch of NIL members. I want you to give me, in your opinion, now we're through 12 rounds with you in here. Felix and Corey have gotten to see a little bit more bigger picture. You're coming in a little bit hotter take here, but I want to know who your best team and worst team is through 12 rounds of this draft. Uh, I'll start off negative first, uh, and on a good note here on this question, I really don't like um, Dougie's team that's in front of me here. Uh, we do preach as a group to do like Debbie first and also as a group. I know none of us are excited about Bo Nix, who he took in the fourth, and then Jalen McMillan in the yeah. third. Like I think maybe he's a Debbie asset, but like take him in the third, you're feeling pretty good about his Debbie potential. Um, even Michael Penix in the second round. A lot of us I, – I just recently on our show, Corey broke him down, and um, I just don't think he's a starting QB at the NFL level. So he took a lot of guys that I consider are CFF assets. Ronda Gast in the fifth, again – and Frank Gore, Frank Gore, who's tiny and plays at like the worst G5 level, and also is just terrible against Power Five competition. It, it just he looks like he went all CFF assets on his draft. So if if his whole goal was like, oh, I just want to win year one, I think he can probably. That looks I can't say mission accomplished, but I I would say that would be what his strategy is. But I think he's leaving his his NFL side to starve. Yeah, I mean, you're probably looking at this and saying you really hope that he dominates on the NFL side of the draft because he's not bringing a lot of Debbie Pipeline players in. Now, we've heard Austin talk a lot recently. You shouldn't just build your team around that. But I do agree with you on his team. Like He went at least what it looks like. We, we don't know. And, and, Doug, you can definitely tell us in the uh, Discord. It looks like he went very much on like a CFF side of, I just want to win the college side. I don't care about building in these Debbie pieces or anything. It's going to be... I, I kind of want this to play out now to see how good this team would be because I also think his wide receiver core is not great. I mean, you mentioned Jalen McMillan. I imagine he takes Gadsden to be his starting tight end. Hakeem Williams, I don't think, is going to play as a true freshman. I think he's a real shot of being a year one zero. So you're going to have to really right. hammer some CFF wide receivers after that. But started negative. Give us your positive. Who's your favorite team? I, I'm actually going to throw it to my co-host here. I wasn't really in love with a lot of teams here, and I was – Definitely a little emotional when I saw my Debbie co-host take a G5 wide receiver in the eighth round, early eighth. So, but I also get it though, because I do think that, you know, we talk about don't take CFF assets for the 10th round. Everyone definitely did in this draft, I think, except for, for me, in my opinion. But um, he took a lot of guys late that are like, they're CFF guys, but they're fringe Debbie. You know, like you can, you can look at these guys and say that there's more than a 0% chance these guys make it to the NFL. I'm talking about like Malachi Corley, who is G5, but Juice Wells from South Carolina, super productive wide receiver. And then in the 10th round, he took Elijah Badger, who's a yak threat. And I know he loves him, but you know, none of us here are arguing that Elijah Badger won't have a good year. So he took guys that are fringe and I, I kind of like that. And, and you know, he's got a little he's got a little mix in there. He's got some running backs, some quarterbacks early, too. But 
he took the guys that have NFL traits like Wegman. You know, we're, we're not out on yeah, Wegman. Yeah. And then Jackson Arnold, who we'll see. We'll see about him. But I, I think that's fine value in the fourth round for him as well. I would just like to point out that uh, there is another person who did not take any G5 or not G5s, any CFF guys really until maybe the ninth round. That's one picking out of the number one spot. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really see a whole lot of CFF guys on that roster. That's some Roman Hemby is guys. definitely CFF, and that's in the I mean, seventh round. I don't know about that. AD Mitchell and it. Jacob and hey, AD uh, those like, guys are French. They're same. They're French, just like the other guys. I left off for Corey. But Jackson Dart was arguably a horrible pick, but I needed a quarterback, and I couldn't think of anybody else. So it's the eleventh round. It's not. Thank you. I appreciate that. I thought I thought maybe you might uh, you might kind of torch that pick. I would have. <laughs> what has been your your biggest takeaway? You mentioned I see. I honestly, didn't know that this was was your first offseason. I thought you've at least been in one because you were in the program last year. So was that like one of your first C two C leagues? Yeah, that was my first season of doing startups. I joined like okay. four startups, I believe. Um, I did one mid season one with uh with um with PJ because I was just you know chomping at the bits to get involved because I wasn't involved the first year. Uh, and then the second year just did the full dive in because I was like, oh, I'm just here to analyze guys going to the NFL draft. But you guys forced me to spread my wings to go a little bit deeper. And then I wanted to get involved in leagues. So and you know, you love it. So you're welcome. So what yeah. has been your biggest takeaway from year one to now year two and what you've learned from your first C2C leagues till now? So I didn't know enough players. So I was shooting from deep a little bit earlier. Uh, so I had a lot of a lot of that going on. So I was reaching out for a lot of help. Um you know, which is which is fine, but I I asked Austin Nays for help here. I know Austin just retired, but it was probably it was probably a little bit late for him. He should have retired a little bit sooner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just remember being in a draft and I was asking for help, and then he's just like, "Yo, J- uh, Jalen Cropper. He's I think he's a day two guy." And I'm like, "Jalen Cropper, who's that?" You know, and you know, and I trust him. I take him. I take him way too earlier, obviously. You know, but then I'm like looking at him later that night. I go into bed. I'm trying to watch some film, and I'm like. I'm like Austin Nace, Debbie Dietz, Mr. Debbie himself, <laughs> thinks that a 170-pound G5 like gadget guy is an NFL guy. Like I, I couldn't believe it. I felt I felt bamboozled. Um, but uh, but watching them play, I'm actually pretty excited for Luther Burden because of that OC. But anyway, so a lot of those teams did pretty bad that I had Austin help me on. So Austin Nace, co-founder of campusdecanton.com, led one of his own astray. That's 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 not great. Not yeah, and to... he's he's out there handing out his his 200 player list, dude. I I just hope other guys follow that list because I didn't even look at it, so I'm pretty excited. And I like I like all my drafts this year so far. I was about to say it, it, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the people who got those lists are in leagues with him too. So I'm really starting to wonder if if maybe this was all just kind of a setup by him to to make a little bit of extra money this year. Yeah, he's cashing in. Well, we'll see how well some of these. I can't wait because next year we're gonna find out. We're gonna have a lot of pissed off people in the Discord if the if that queue did not work out. It'll be interesting to find out. <laughs> uh, you talked a little bit about some of the G five guys. A lot of freshmen went earlier than I expected in this draft. Now, some of that, I mean, I'm sure comes from Austin and and I really it's Austin and Chris Moxley who have talked a lot about you know taking freshmen early because as we just talked about earlier how their value holds. But how do you? value freshmen coming from the Debbie side you and Corey definitely value freshmen I think a little bit differently than some of us do who approach it from the C2C side again I really if you guys are listening to this I imagine you listen to back to Debbie I've seen the download numbers you probably are but if you're not go listen to it because I do think you two bring a very interesting perspective that does sometimes pivot from where the rest of us come from but how do you value freshmen 
I, I do value them pretty highly. I think usually the studs kind of stick out like a sore thumb. You can kind of take your shot on them early. But it, just overall, I don't think you can be reactionary, right? Because someone's always going to value these freshmen probably higher than you are. Like if you're a little reserved, you know, you want your vets. If if you missed out on drafting Luther Burden or Evan Stewart, Barry and Brown, Antonio Williams, you just weren't sure about the freshman value. Like now you got to pay a premium to get them. And even so, if you continue that strategy of just taking the vets that pop off late, uh, usually you're getting like, you know, like Devontae Walker is all of a sudden your wide receiver one going into the NFL draft. And you're hoping he gets first round draft capital. It's just, I think you're missing out. And when you become reactionary, you don't really get value. You're losing value. So I think it's better to get these freshmen early. And and we do have an amazing recruitment team here that just supplies so much information to us. Uh, I want to say last year, because last year I, I did not watch freshmen early i i got the guide first and then i watched them kind of after so i already had like the team's notes and their rankings and their tiers and i just kind of readjusted them for my Devi rankings personally and i want to say out of my top 10 i think eight of my top 10 uh beat the year one zero molds and obviously became studs so like you know a lot of my freshmen are absolutely thriving and it, and i i'm not saying that to like pat myself on the back but because the recruiting team provided me with so much information up front I was able to navigate that pretty well. So I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to pump up those two too much. They get a lot of love, at least behind the scenes, because Matt and David absolutely kill themselves for, for our recruiting team. It's it's ridiculous. It, I really wish, and I hope one day, we're able to share with everybody else some of the information that we get. Because there's even things that we get that we don't share, and we do share a lot with uh, with our members. But you actually were part of the recruiting team this past year, your grades made it into you. You graded. You made it into the the final cut um, with with the grades on there that helped average out the consensus on there. Me and Austin talked a little bit about this on on again. You know, I'll be humble here. Arguably the best Debbie show on this on this network. I'll say arguably to to allow you guys a chance to be put in there. But we talked a little bit about. Going for those top tier guys, as you know, anybody with an 80 grade over is what we at Campus to Canton consider a five star. How far down, though, are you willing to go to value freshmen highly before you're you want to pivot to those guys who have proven themselves or CFF assets? Or is it just is it too hard to quantify a specific player or number, if that makes sense? No, I actually have my rankings pulled up here for this question. Okay. Um, I always have my rankings open. Like Zachariah Branch is my wide receiver one right now. He's wide receiver eight overall. Okay. So I, I'm willing to take him probably mid to late second is probably when I'm trying to take these freshmen. Even Nelson, at one point in time, I had him as my QB three, but I, I cooled off a little bit. He's just so easily projectable to be an absolute stud QB. He's got Lincoln Riley. I mean, everything there is so set up for him. And not to mention he's a phenomenal, phenomenal talent himself. It's not like he graded out to be like QB five or six, and then you want to ask yourself how much of a bump I'm going to give him up for Lincoln Riley. He was already going to be a top, top two, top three quarterback in the class. So. Um, I, I'm willing to take freshman probably pretty early. I mean, he went 111 in this draft, and I probably haven't actually. I probably haven't ranked very similarly overall, so probably would have taken like nine, ten, eleven in that area. All right. So the the main part here, something that I've I really want to stress to newcomers. We've had a lot of people who have joined the Discord this past year, newcomers to the format, wanting to try it for the first time. And it's definitely not an easy question to answer because I I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Everybody approaches these drafts differently. <laughs> But what would be the best piece of advice you would give a newcomer joining the C2C format doing their first startup this year? Oh, well, outside of not following Austin Nace's advice, 
Um, you're killing campus life. I, I feel like this is just <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to bomb campus life's downloads from the inside so that back to Debbie can take it to the top. That's what I feel like's going on here. I'm a little salty. Me and Austin months ago talked about doing a campus life versus back to Debbie episode that we planned for in the summer. And, yeah. uh, you know, we shelved it. We're like, we'll talk about this later. Clearly, he forgot. He never brought it up again. He just retired out of the blue, in my opinion. So, no, no, he purposely does that stuff. If you'll yeah. notice, there's only been two people from this network, I believe, that have actually been on, been on campus life. Like, again, Austin and Colin aren't here. I had to invite you on to campus life. I have never even been allowed on campus life. It's been one Chris Moxley and Felix Sharp. That's it. Wow. It's a little disappointing. Yeah. The the two characters yeah. of, of Debbie Debate. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, so, uh, your advice. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, advice, uh, advice here is... Man, this is kind of hard. I just overall, people get too too excited about players. Not everyone's going to be a stud at the next level. And if you even look at like historical trends and and all that stuff and yada yada yada, like you know, you get excited about maybe two or three running backs each year. Like like this year, we're getting excited about you know two or three running backs. The year before it was like it was just Brees and just just Kenneth Walker. So I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't draft guys early that you think might be guys. Just go ahead and grab the guys that you think are verified studs. Everyone agrees are verified studs. So don't, don't go ahead and grab yourself like Dorian Singer early. Like it's okay. You don't have to do that. Or Romo Dunze in the third. That's pretty terrible too. But like go ahead and uh who who Austin took? That's funny. Uh but um who Roma Dunze? Yeah. Hey, he's he's wide receiver one, better than Marvin Harrison, so we're told. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I, I just I don't know, man. Uh also, don't don't be afraid. Don't be. I can't say don't be afraid to chew from deep because I definitely had some rosters not do so well. I mean, I'm doing fine this year, obviously, because you can you can re, no actually I be balls of your first draft. You can absolutely reload next year in the in the off season. It's it's 15 picks, like that's one third of your roster. And if you shoot from deep and maybe like two or three guys, not two or three, but hopefully like five or six of those guys work out of like the 20 you kind of stash. That's that's a win. I, I, I actually agree with you. I, I, there's some teams in my first year that I did exactly that. I was just went for guys I thought could do something. They ended up not, and then I ended up winning the college side the year after that. It, it's much easier to rebuild a team and make them a contender on the college side than it is the NFL side. And, and the one thing I've always said on the dynasty leagues, all you have to do is make the playoffs because crazy things happen. The best team in the league does not always yeah. win it. And I say it's the same thing on the college side. I, I will point out, a, a league that I have been in, in the GM league, with a lot of high-name people in this space who pay very close attention to college football. And I won the championship last year having literally one starting quarterback on my roster because the rest of them got injured in the playoffs. And the only reason I won is because I beat one Shane Hallam because I believe it was, oh, it was Daquan Finn got injured on the first drive of the game after a fumble, and he got negative four points, and I ended up beating him by, like, seven points. And I, I had to start Malik Cunningham, who did nothing because he was injured as well. Like, it's you get lucky. Like that's part of the game. Once you get to the playoffs, just get to the playoffs. I, I, I really agree with that statement. Be a little bit ballsy. It's okay. It's easier to, at least in my opinion, win on the college side. You just learn so much too, after year one, like it's just like a sponge. Like it's, it feels daunting at first thinking about how there's 132 teams, but uh, if, if, if you found yourself picking up dynasty really fast, it's the same for college. I mean, it might be more teams, but you'll pick it up fast. It, it really is. One, one thing that I've, I've come around on, something I used to do in Dynasty all the time that I've not done here and I've tried to do is paying more attention to, to value and player values and how much more that matters. You see that all the time in the Dynasty space. 
And Austin mentioned this a little bit on Debbie debate recently. Like, I feel like we as the C2C and CFF community have not quite done that as much as you see on the dynasty side. And I think it's something we should incorporate more. So that would be the other thing I'd mention is, is pay attention to player values. Cause that does matter. Um, especially when you're trying to make trades and, and rebuild on the college side, if your team is not good. Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, I appreciate you taking a couple minutes here to uh, enlighten our listeners here. I, I know that I'm, I imagine everybody's enjoying this a lot more than Austin and Colin just ripping each other and talking about how great it is and how great they are. Oh, there. Or when or when Colin brings on a guest and talk football for the first 12 minutes and 41 seconds. Yeah, that, you know, that definitely did not happen tonight. We we would not allow that here at Camp Scan. Not you, Corey. I mean, Felix might. Felix tends to get a little bit off subject yeah. at times, but that's. He's not running the ship. I'm running it tonight, and it is all football talk. I seriously though, appreciate you jumping on. Welcome welcome to part of the Campus Life family. You're welcome. Yeah. I brought you in. Austin and Colin, not so inviting, but I've got you. I've got you it's back. A, it's a breath of fresh air over here. I can say that. All right, Mike, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me. All right, so last time, I just want to say thank you again really quick to to Felix, Corey, and Mike for jumping on with me to talk about this. So, so I'm going to give you guys my thoughts. Uh, I did obviously talk a little bit about it with all three of them, but just really quick, I did not come into this draft with any kind of specific strategy, and, and I really try not to, if I'm being honest, which I know is a lot different than some of my other co-hosts, specifically on Debbie Debate, you know, Chris Moxley and Austin. They are strategic minds. They, they sit in the war room. They decide how they want to go through their mocks, their cues, their drafts. Obviously, Mike just talked about what he thinks about Austin's cues. I don't know that they're that bad. I honestly haven't seen it. Uh, he obviously always does a good job, all joking aside. But for me, it's just so hard to come in with a specific strategy because as Mike Tyson always says, you know, once you get hit in the mouth or however that saying goes, everybody drafts so differently. As Corey and I talked about how with the way Felix handles his drafts, there's a lot of other people who do that stuff. You had, you know, juiced balls went very heavy freshman, which is not something I've ever seen done. Again, not that I think it's a bad thing. I, I think it's a very interesting strategy. I would love to actually see how that team plays out. So every draft is different. It's kind of hard for me to go in with a plan Typically, I try to approach it with four rounds at a time and how I see the the draft progressing and how I kind of want to attack my teams. With this one specifically, I took Caleb... And when the running when the when the round came back to me and I had Jace McClellan and Branson Robinson sitting there, I was like, okay, I'm probably just going to try and go all in with a build that can win me this year with some high end Debbie assets, but players who should end up producing, which is why I went Troy Franklin. Probably a little bit of a reach on a Malik Benson in the fourth round, but I just love his upside. I, I think he's going to be the guy in that Alabama wide receiver room. Uh, but that's how I kind of approach every draft. I really don't come in with any specific strategy. I really just kind of try to approach it. I've tried to intently watch what everybody is doing around me and approach it in four round increments to kind of decide how I want to build my team and what are the best values. Uh, we talked a lot about the best and worst team, so I'm not going to get into that. I did like what a lot of, of everybody did, and I will post at the picture. Um, I will post a picture of the mock draft up when we post this on Twitter, uh, the episode to, to plug it. So if you guys want to go check that. My biggest takeaway and most important lesson I've learned since I first started C2C, and, and I talked a lot about that with Corey. There's just so much information. I, I don't think there's a, a there's a wrong amount to try and take in as much as possible. And, and one thing, and I'm going to dive deeper into this. I will be, just spoiler alert for everybody, I'll be doing Canton Bound as well. I'm going to dive deeper into this when I do Canton Bound. One thing I've learned is I think the Devi pipeline to your NFL team is is a tad bit overrated. 
in C2C leagues. And what I mean by that is when I first started doing this, I, you know, everybody talks about, well, they're going to feed into your NFL team, so you better be paying attention to that, and you definitely should. But you should not overrate that and make that the sole purpose of your C2C teams. And I did a lot of that when I first started drafting. In fact, I mentioned with Corey, and I'm not kidding, like, wow, you know, a lot of people make fun of Walter Football, the website and everything. Like, I was trying to find anything and everything I could information-wise about other players that I didn't quite know that much about that people thought had NFL draft value because, like, that's the only way I'm getting them. I better go get them now. I got to go get them. Who's that guy in the 35th round that I can get this guy to NFL upside? And after doing it for three years, you start to realize that guy's not there anymore. And it's okay to pivot to freshmen with upside or these CFF guys who are going to help you win on the college side. And and that's the kind of mentality I've tried to put more into my C2C leagues and on the college sides is while it's great to try and build for your NFL side, it is really hard to predict who those guys are going to be like, you know, that's me knocking on wood right there, right? Caleb Williams, who I took, obviously, I ended up with the 1-1 pick. I took him, we we think, is a for-sure lock first-round pick, probably number one overall, right? And why I'm knocking on wood is you don't know what could happen to him, though. He could have an RG3-type career, and, and it's ruined by injury. Or a, Derek, a, a David Carr-type career where it's ruined because he goes to an Arizona Cardinals team or a Los Angeles Rams team that's just so god-awful that the offensive line can't protect him. He just can't do anything. We have seen, more often than not, great college players be ruined by the NFL. We just don't know. So while I I definitely like to take those guys and guys that have high-end Debbie side, like I do want to and I do focus in a lot more on the college side of things. I I try to take freshmen when I think it's a good value to take them. I don't disagree with some of the things that Austin and Chris talk about all the time, specifically on Debbie debate, that you know freshmen, specifically certain ones, will hold their value because they definitely will. But there is a buy window on those guys as well because they're not playing. And someone may have a a competing team. I'm going to use an example I saw in, in... the year one of the program league in when a, a one another co-founder at this website and Alfred Fernandez was competing on the NFL side. And we at the time did not think we were going to see Caleb Williams at all that year as a freshman because we thought Spencer Rattler was going to be the truth. And Austin traded away pieces and got Caleb Williams. With the freshman value thing, you would think there's no shot, right? And granted, we were not as high on Caleb Williams as we are on some guys like Dante Moore, Malachi Nelson, but there's always that window. And and he paid a premium. He gave up Lamar Jackson, but it was a fair trade. I think it worked out very well for both of them. There's always going to be, at least in my opinion, some kind of buy window. So you have to hit that at the right time. So if you don't want to take that highly valued freshman and you want to take a a Debbie guy or somebody else, I don't think that's the wrong move. And I don't think it's right to do that either. There's no wrong move in my opinion, but I do think there's buy windows for these freshmen, specifically ones that don't necessarily play a lot as freshmen or maybe struggle, don't play well. Even the year 1-0, which you know, me and Austin talked on about on Debbie Debate last week, has kind of killed these freshmen. You can get C.J. Williams for extremely cheap, and while he may not have an NFL future moving forward, I still think he's got a shot to, for, to be really good for you on the college side of things. So it, it's figuring out that value. A lot of that definitely comes with reps and, and playing in these leagues and learning them, but I, I just don't think that there's one wrong way to value things. I, I really don't think even... 
going all CFF heavy and, and valuing just winning on the college side is that bad a thing? Because if it's a 50-50 split and you're winning on the college side, like as long as you're getting some NFL pieces and you want to continue trading them for college players, like I don't think that's wrong either because you're going to have people who just do that on the NFL side, who just want to win on the NFL and use their college side as a feeder and they're never competing on the college side. So it's it's the one thing I love about this league is like you have a chance to win a championship on either side. You can go all in on either one or you can try and and you know, flirt with that very thin line of trying to win both. And the King of Seas is, is something, in my opinion, special, if you can ever pull that off. I only know of a few people who have done it, and when you can do it, I think it, it, it just it's incredible. Uh, the other question I've been asking is how you value freshmen. I, I you know, I talked a lot about it with Corey, so I, I don't wanna, you know, double down on that, but I think it just comes with a certain thing. We we definitely have switched our grading systems around a little bit. And anybody with an 80 grade or higher that we view as a, as a five-star, I am definitely willing to take those guys earlier uh, in drafts because, again, I do think, as we mentioned, their value does hold, but they're guys that I truly believe in and think will be very good. When it comes to that Tier 2, I'm willing to wait a little bit on those guys because it feels like at least last year and even the year before, that Tier 2 is pretty big, and there's not much of a separator between those guys. Maybe it's the depth chart, landing spot, offensive system, coach, quarterback, they're playing with whatever. That maybe separates them a little bit, so I'd be willing to take those guys. But out really, like Oregon State's Aiden Childs, who, who I talked about because I do think he has a chance to be special, but like a Jeremiah Love who's in our, sec- in our second tier. I like the landing spot. Like Notre Dame, good offensive lines, probably going to be really good running back for them. Not a lot of competition currently. Don't know that they recruit over him. He's an interesting guy in that tier two that I'm willing to take. Cordell Russell with what TCU's been able to do with wide receivers. There's there's a lot of guys that I'd be willing to take a bet on, but it is a pretty big tier. And I think because a lot of those guys are grouped together, I don't value them as highly. I'm willing to wait on those guys, and if I miss again, I really think there's a buy window for those guys that it's a lot easier to get them and trade for them than it is those those top-end guys. The last question, best piece of advice I can give to a newcomer is honestly absorb as much information as you can. Um, you know, we're not perfect here at C2C, but there's a lot of other outlets out there that give all kinds of Devi information, CFF information, campus to Canton information. Take in as much information as you can and, and look at it, study it, read articles, and then honestly, just play in leagues. And don't be afraid to ask for help. It's something I am afraid, I even I'm afraid to do at times because I don't want to seem... Like, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't want to know what I'm talking about. I, I'm afraid to ask, like, hey, like, would you do this? Would you be willing to make a trade like this? I kind of like it, but am I letting my blinders affect me? Am I letting my player bias affect me? That's why we're here. We're here to help you guys as much as possible. Don't ever feel like sending, you know, a D, you know, if you've sent me four DMs in one day, and then you're like, oh, man, I just sent him four DMs. I don't know if I should ask him another question. Ask. There's no bad question to ask it's never too much we want to continue to grow this format and to do that we have to help you guys be better at it as well not just us and and we have to help you guys do it and win and learn and enjoy the format uh, so that's just my best advice is try and absorb as much knowledge as possible play enjoy the format you know try new things too maybe there's a strategy that that you didn't hear any of us talk about you've never heard us talk about that you really like let me know because i i love hearing your guys different strategies and possibly trying them in my own leagues 
And that's really it. I said I was going to give you guys some predictions, but we're an hour and 30 in. I don't want to I don't want to make this podcast longer than it needs to be. So maybe maybe Austin and Colin will invite me back and I can give my Kyle McCord Heisman prediction for a third year in a row. It's got to happen eventually, right? Uh but I you know I, I was gonna give some of that stuff, but I just don't want to. I don't want to drag. I'm gonna do it anyways. Okay, this might be my last episode, so if you guys don't want to listen to it, I get it. Quinn Ewers, I do think, is gonna win the Heisman. I know, I know, Matt Bruning talking about Quinn Ewers again, but I really think he's got a really good shot this year. It's a really good team around him. Sark has just done amazing things with his quarterbacks and. While Mac Jones was better, and it was coming in because Tua got hurt, if you look at the step he took from when he came in after Tua got hurt at the end of that year and then in his full season as a starter, it was massive. And and something, if you if you listen a lot to Sark, who I do, because I think he's a really smart offensive coach, he talks a lot about how like it takes time to learn his system. I, I think everything's coming together for Ewers uh, this year. At least I hope. If it doesn't, then yeah, he's probably not going to be what I think he is, but... Missed almost two years of football, dealt with the injuries, dealt with the injuries last year, you know, learning the system. You know, in my opinion, Sark stupidly was splitting reps between him and Hudson Card at times. Like, should have just let him take everything. This is it. Second year in the system's got to stay healthy. He's got to show some improvement with his footwork. But I really love uh, the player overall. I think he's got a phenomenal arm. If you really want to see more about him, check out the video me and me and Felix did with him showing some of his throws and what I think he can do right. Felix shows you what he thinks he does wrong. But I think this is the, the year for him. My standout freshman, this was a tough one. I'm going to give you three. Uh, I, I, I was trying to nail it down to, to one, but I'm talking about two of my guys. Uh, this year, specifically, Aiden Childs. I mean, you know, I think this kid's phenomenal. He's an even better human being. I, I can't wait to see him get on the field. And I hope he has so much success. He's young, too. Hasn't even turned 17 years old yet. And all the reports were that he was just dominating in Oregon State's camp. DJ just doesn't... I feel like he's just in his head too much, and that's going to cost him. And if they start losing some games, I would not be surprised if we don't see Aiden Childs get on the field, and, and I really think he's going to be good for them. So he's one. He's a guy that obviously I've talked a lot about, and I think you should go out and definitely get in your drafts. Uh, another one is a wide receiver, David Amador of UTSA. So he's not a guy that we wrote up, not a guy even that I think is like particularly incredible, but... They lose Zachariah Franklin. There's really nobody else in that room that could take uh, take over for him. He's one of the highest uh, wide receivers they've ever gotten at UTSA. It's going to be an interesting offense now, obviously, with Will Stein out of there. We'll see what that offense ends up looking like, but they need someone to step up. He was a three-star. I think he has a chance to be really good. He's a, he's a free pick, so he's a guy that I think could be like a standout freshman this year. And, and last, sticking with that and talking about Will Stein, I'm going to talk about Austin Novosad. He's not a guy that's going to do much for you this year, but, you know, Austin, uh, not Austin I'm sorry, Mike and Corey talked about him a little bit on the last Back to Debbie episode, and I know that that Mike said that he kind of likes him. They're, they're a little bit torn on, on what they think of him. I saw him in person, and maybe I'm letting my bias get a little bit bit of me here, but like I think he's got an incredible arm. I watched him throw those opposite hash throws with incredible zip, and maybe there's not a ton of them on film. There is one, and I will go find it. I posted it on Twitter, and I know Felix liked it because he commented on it, but... 
he has got an incredible arm. He's definitely got more rushing upside than we think, but it, it, it's a lot of it, too, to do with Will Stein. The, the last two years when he was calling that offense, granted UTSA, but they passed the ball 48% of the time in 2021, and... 52% of the time in 2022, they had an offensive success rate of 48% 2021 uh, pass success rate and, and 52% in 2022. Again, UTSA, so you, you probably have to drop that a little bit with them going over to Oregon, but he's got the weapons around him. He's going to have a great offensive line and a good defense. Like He may not be this fantasy superstar. He's probably not going to bring you the rushing upside of a Bo Nix, but I think he will bring you some. And if they have the volume passing, then I think they could. I think he's going to be a really good player for that that Oregon offense. They have not recruited over him at all. I would be su- extremely surprised if Ty Thompson ends up getting the job next year. And, and I don't think, personally, the 2024 quarterbacks is Michael Van Buren and... Um, uh, I think it's Luke Moga. Yeah, Luke Moga. I don't think either one of those guys are, are overly talented or really going to push Nova Sad. I was trying to get his ADP, but it, our sheets are down for some reason. But he's not going early. I watched him going like the 10th round of the supplemental draft. I, I think he's going to be a really good player. I remember I'm end up being wrong on him. Uh, but I, I just I really think he's going to be a great player. So that will be it, though, for this episode of Campus Life. Uh, Austin and Colin, I know you guys will be excited to hear. We'll be back next week. I think they're going to start doing their summer school series. I can't wait. Two episodes a week of college football talk from those two. It's going to be incredible. I hope you guys did enjoy this episode with Felix, Corey, Mike, and myself. I hope you guys don't hate me too much for the intro. Uh, I was just trying to have a little bit of fun with that. Since Austin got to have a little goodbye song, I wanted to kick it off with a little hello song from your boy Matt here. Uh, But I do hope you guys all have a happy 4th of July, a safe 4th of July, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Thank you.